good, y'all? It's your boy Herb. And it's your girl Mo. And welcome to our soon-to-be world-renowned podcast, Young, Black, and Figure It Out. What up, though? What it do? Whatever we tell it. <laughs> How you feeling? I'm feeling amazing, actually. Are you? Yes. Yeah, I'm feeling good, too. You know why I'm feeling good? No. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we got an amazing episode. I thought you'd have known that. But we got an amazing episode coming up. Y'all know how we usually do at this time. My bad, y'all. I was like, oh, sleep? You slept well. That's what I was thinking. Nah, we was going to sleep. Nah, we're not be talking about that. But uh, yeah, no, nah, I'm really good, though, because today's going to be an amazing episode. Mm-hmm. One of our um, uh, most, I would say, consistently listened to episodes. People wait for this mm-hmm. episode, Very so we're true. excited to bring this back. Uh, typically, we would do the what do we figure out this week, but today... We're not going to do that. You know why we're not going to do that, though. We got a special we guest. We got a special guest in the building. Let's clap it up for the special guest. Pass it <laughs> up to you. Yeah, hey, in the building. Go ahead and pass it. Go ahead and introduce yourself. We're going to pass it to you. Yeah, yeah. I love this energy. <laughs> it's going to be a fun, fun, fun hour. I am uh, Sean Nelms. I am a superintendent at a local school district, as well as a professor at the University of Rochester, where I oversee a research center focused on school transformation. And I'm just all over the community doing community stuff all day, which is great. I, that's, that's, that's what gives me my joy, being mm-hmm. around people. Yeah. Dope. Mm-hmm. You hear all that dopeness? I'm just Yeah, <laughs> we're excited to talk about that dopeness, too. So uh, for folks who this might be your first time, which it shouldn't be, if it is, though, we encourage you to go back and listen. Uh, this is our Being Black and White Spaces, and so we've done just the regular yes. part one. Mm-hmm. So much love with that. We did part two, which was healthcare edition, and then today, uh, education, which I think right now is such an important topic based on what's going on mm-hmm. in our society, right? Especially being black in those spaces. So, yeah, we just want to jump right into it. But before we get into talking about the specifics of being black in white spaces and education, I just want to talk about um, the journey, right? Like what led you to do the type of work you just explained? Yeah, I have a long, long journey. So I think, you know, m- for people who find their passion, it's usually rooted in something that goes back to their childhood or some type of lived experience. And for me, education has always been ingrained. We grew up in a church uh, home environment, and my mother had us you know, at church all day and then all weekend and then all night. But one of the things that she afforded us was an opportunity to teach summer school, teach Sunday school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and in Sunday school, you know, without knowing it, we were learning how to prepare lessons and how to meet with different, uh, meet with our peers, how to break information down into, mm-hmm. you know, sizable chunks. And so there was always this this modeling done in my home around helping others and we were a very servant driven home environment and my mom was a block club president she was the pta president like she was at everything we couldn't do nothing because she was always there Mm -hmm. and i think every job that i've had every role that i play as a youth it was leading youth leadership committees or being a captain of the basketball team or going to college for education and, and still volunteering the boys and girls club it was really centered to how my mom and how my mom raised us. And mm-hmm. so uh, I think that journey has just evolved itself into working with uh, schools throughout this region and in schools nationally. Um, one of the best projects I think I've worked on has been a partnership with the University of Rochester, the city school district here, and uh, the state education department. We were asked to, uh, to transform a school that had been deemed persistently failing. Mm-hmm. Graduation rates in that school at the time was 29%. And uh, it was the largest high school in the city. And so over seven to eight years, we've built a new system and established a new culture, and the graduation rate has surpassed 85%. Mm. So we continue to think about the systemic impact on um, the conditions in which people are asked to thrive in, and that becomes the center or the central focus of our, of our work. 
And again, going back to my mom as a black club president and PTA president, mm-hmm. she's always mm-hmm. just like, you know, we don't need outside government assistance. We don't need, she, we should rely on, um, you know, the generosity of those who've already made it. We have mm-hmm. to create a community within ourselves, mm-hmm. fix ourselves. And then when those resources come, we know how to, how to use those resources more strategically. So I give her a ton of credit for laying the foundation and, and then all the other lived experiences along the way for solidifying them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Amazing. Yeah, and then so there's a bunch to unpack in that. <laughs> which was really, it was just really good. And uh, something you actually talked about that kind of led you just to go back to your journey. Yeah. What you said, you had opportunities early where it kind of yeah. shaped what you knew you really liked to do. Like you had some type of connected to you used the word lived experience that showed yeah. you where you like to go. So you go back to that point and say that carries you to where you are now, you would say. Absolutely. I would even say, you know, connecting to the theme of today's show, you know, I grew up by teachers who were just removed from the civil rights movement. Mm. And so like being anchored in my blackness was Mm. something that we just was ingrained in us through our elementary school. And if it was Kwanzaa or understanding key principles of life, like we had civil rights folks teaching us and they, they would not allow us to, to diminish our history and diminish our culture um, in an effort to be accepted. And so I, I think those educators, those great educators who grounded in us a true sense of self, I see a huge disconnect from those educators to where kind of we are now because now we're two or three generations removed right. from that. Yeah. And often we have people in, in, in front of us who really don't know the history well enough to help um, students become, um, you know, liberated, have a liberated mindset. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, again, those lived experiences, it's, it's our moral and ethical obligation to make sure that we, when we're in spaces yeah. um, that are not predominantly of color, that that we don't see ourselves as being less than, right. but we learn how to actually um, promote and emphasize and, uh, and, 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 and put some glow on who we are in those spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a journey. That's a journey yeah. for all of us. It's been a journey for me, and I would say, being in my 40s, I'm finally probably at a place of comfort. Yeah. I don't want my son and my daughters to be 40 plus before they get to that that space. Mm. So I'm constantly ingraining into them the, the beauty of who they are as a people and, and, and how they have to show up authentically in spaces. Mm-hmm. But before you show up authentic, you have to know your own authenticity. Mm-hmm. So that's the journey that I think I've been on since elementary. And I'm hoping that, that sp- the, the time it takes to get there becomes less and less so that yeah. our kids are leaving high school and college. and right. And feeling authentic about themselves. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, so I'm writing things down to follow up on so we don't forget, <laughs> right? It's like, all right, we got some stuff to follow up on. But um, yeah, so really good points. And the, the one thing to go back, that just with the journey to tie it back to the root of like who were the audience that we're trying to talk to for this particular episode, right? Like mm-hmm. us in those spaces. Um, you mentioned uh, feeling comfortable enough to be authentic. Yeah in predominantly white spaces where you might be one of the only or a few people mm-hmm. of color and how do we not have it in our brain, whether subconsciously, um, mainly subconsciously, right? That we're less than mm-hmm. when we're in those spaces. And you said that for you, like working up to that journey, we're f- fully able to do that now, right. like present. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk about that? Cause I think that's important yeah. for a lot of us, you know? Yeah. So I would say in hindsight, right. I, I think it required at the time I didn't realize this. So mm-hmm. this is, you know, kind of me speaking um, from someone who's experienced it. It takes so much energy to de-emphasize who you are, mm-hmm. more than you realize. Mm-hmm. Like to, to um, consciously think about how you say certain things, to consciously mm-hmm. think about how you move, how you position yourself. Being six three, who I'm standing next to, am I towering over them? Mm-hmm. You know, and so 
everything that was happening for me in my experience, someone else may have had a different experience, was how do I minimize my height? How do I minimize my size? How do I minimize the, 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 mm. the tone of my voice? How do I minimize speaking too much in the crowd? How, yeah. do, I tim- how do I minimize not, not feeling or sounding intimidating? Mm-hmm. That's a lot of energy to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the amount of energy you place into that distracts you from being smarter at your work, distracts you from having mm. a presence, distracts you from being from people from seeing who you are as a leader. And so it, it was truly a moment where I was spending more time and I felt myself spending more time trying to fit in than I was trying to stand out. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that is something that that is just a journey in itself. And I, I remember there was a moment my, my younger brother um, said to me once, he said, um, well, I went home to Buffalo with my family. We were all yeah. there, and I took my kids with me. Yeah, and my kids were like, "Dad, you're so different when you're at home with with, with your brothers and, and and grandma." And I'm like, what, "What do you mean? This is probably six years ago." I said, "What do you mean?" And they were like, "You just you talk different, you walk different, you act different. Mm-hmm. You just are so happy." And and I I thought about that. I didn't respond to that moment. I said, "I'm always like this." And my brother Mike, was, he was like. This is your dad. You're, this, this is who your dad is. And they're mm-hmm. like, he's not like that at home. He's always in his own shirt and tie, and he's mm-hmm. always being careful what he says. And and that was like really a turning point for me because I started thinking like, what am I projecting to my children mm. about being? I'm I'm preaching to them to be authentic, yeah. but they're seeing me be have two different worlds. And the yeah. world that I was at at home was my authentic self, mm-hmm. you know. And and being here, I was authentic within my home, but outside my home, tying went on. Or the cameras come on for the media. Like I felt like I had to portray the perfect Negro. Yeah, you know? yeah <laughs> to, be, to be honest, yeah, right? Yeah, because there was so I felt like there was so much pressure for me to succeed mm-hmm. that I had to like overdo everything so I didn't fail because I didn't yeah. want to fail for the next education leader. I wanted, didn't fail for the next whoever whoever that right, next was and how right, they viewed that. Right. And and I'll tell you the moment that I stopped doing that. I was able to open up more doors for myself and more doors for others mm. because now they can listen to hip hop. I remember you and I went back and forth one time on on, yeah. on a text message once. I can be my authentic self and 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 talk about Jay Z and, and and talk about whatever I want to talk yeah. about, and people don't see that as um, minimizing mm. my credentials or yeah. minimizing my impact or minimizing yeah. what I've accomplished. So there was as much of an internal journey for me mm-hmm. as there was an external one. And, and I think that had a lot of, lot to do with what I perceived I, who I had to be to make sure that I preserve this space for others. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's the wrong game plan. Yeah. You have to be who you want to be so you can create more space for others to come into that, in that, mm. in that environment. And that's just, again, that's my own lived experience. It's how I came up. It's how I internalized life. It's how mm-hmm. my mother never said to minimize that. In yeah. fact, she's the complete opposite. Yeah. But it's how I internalized some of that in just ways. The other thing I would say is being around other dope black folks critically helped that too. Yeah. yeah. So I would say COVID for me was extremely beneficial, you know, because I got a chance to connect with other black professionals nationally on webinars and seminars. And I'm like, I didn't. And then you look at who they're friends with. And I didn't know you were friends with that person. And, yeah, you know, and so yeah. it created this newness for me to be around like-minded people who are going through the same journey in their thirties and forties. Yeah. Who are who are really creating this liberatory mindset at the same time, mm-hmm. and we refuse to look back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it was also a good opportunity. So a podcast like this, or how we connect with other professions who are going through it, 
is ideal mm-hmm. because people don't feel like they're alone and they can walk away with perhaps some concrete tools to uh, to really you know challenge who they become or mm-hmm. more importantly um, accelerate who they want to become yeah. in the future. Yeah. You know, yeah. Cool. And I think you talk about so so many things that are important for people, especially in like a, in the education space where you might be someone who's whether if you're in like administration or if you're a teacher, or if you're a student, and you're predominant, you're a space that's predominantly white. Um, the the I think there's like this social pressure slash penalty for being yes, for being yourself, like authentically uh-huh. black, right? At least the way you would, someone might describe authentically black that way. Mm-hmm. And exp- there's this penalty, these things that you feel that aren't necessarily spoken out loud and, like, directly said that almost reinforce the idea that, oh, I need to minimize yeah. that, right? And so after a while, and I love how you put that, uh, it actually takes more energy to do that than it does mm-hmm. to just be yourself. And then also naming that, yeah, a lot of the times in those spaces, it's this feeling of unsafety psychologically mm-hmm. to not do that, right? Mm-hmm. And so a, a way... It sounds like you and other people probably have navigated that is finding spaces where you can be around other adult black folks or black folks in general who Mm. can validate like, no, you can be yourself Mm -hmm. in these spaces and that's okay. And I think for the people who might be white listening to this, again, because someone might feel defensive with that. It's not, you might not intentionally be creating a space, but the space is created where at least, and I can speak for me personally, where you feel like, man, dang, okay, I pull up blasting Nipsey or Jay. And it's like, all right, I got to turn the music down yeah. when I pull up based on how someone might look at me, right? Mm-hmm. Or things. So, yeah, that's uh, I think that's 100%. The, the other thing, too, I would say, and then I, I, I'm sorry I'm talking so much, but but I would Don't say, apologize. so there's nah, a couple, couple other things, too. <laughs> so also being young, black, and, perf- and successful mm-hmm. is, is, is critically important. However you define success. So I was a, I was a middle school principal at the age of 29. Mm. So oh, I was boy. young. And most, just for context, most principals at that time were, you know, in their 40s. Mm. And so not only was I black, I was young mm-hmm. and I was in, I was in charge of a building mm-hmm. and, and leading, you know, a bunch of adults and, and, and kids. And so it's like, I had to accelerate my maturity. Mm-hmm. So I thought, mm-hmm. and, and, and had to create the space that I couldn't mess up mm-hmm. because once you go to the top in your profession at that time, I thought that was the top, like you really want to maintain that. And mm-hmm. so you do everything not to screw it up. Even when you watch your colleagues, Mm-hmm. Do the most nonsensical mm-hmm. things yeah. and keep and get promoted for yeah. doing yeah. those things, right? Repeatedly. So I'm like, how do you get away with that? <laughs> you know. So so you had so it's like so that's also a factor um, as well. The other thing I would say is just how we. I just want to be careful that like I'm not centering whiteness in this discussion, because although the vast majority of teachers in the country are white females, that has direct impact with desegregation, when black teachers lost their jobs in mm-hmm. these integrated schools. And then white women who were housewives became educated and entered the work, the teaching workforce. That's how like education became a predominantly white female space. It was mm-hmm. really a direct connection to the um, desegregation of schools. But the vast majority of kids that I support and their families are black and brown. Mm-hmm. 100%. So if you think about spaces, our space is actually a black and brown space. Right. Mm-hmm. That has a layer of authority that happens to be white, 100%. Right. and then whoever leader is a leadership around that, if it's a school board, whatever, may may differ. So, I'm also in that in that in that attempt and in that that journey to be authentic. I have to redefine in my head, like like what is a white space or a brown space? Mm-hmm. Does that exist? And for me, that space only exists if you've internalized it that way. Mm -hmm. Because I might be one of 20 in the room, 
But that doesn't mean that that space is a white space because I can dominate with my one in that 20 in the room. Mm -hmm. I can control that space Mm -hmm. if I choose to. Mm -hmm. So, or I can intentionally sit back and listen. Right. And, 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 And so I also want people to think about when you think about spaces Think about the impact of of you in that space. And there Mm -hmm. are moments you want to be in a space as an observer and a listener. And there are times you want to go in there and you want to disrupt them to really surface the real issues. And as long as you're conscious around what your Mm -hmm. purpose is in that space, Mm -hmm. then the space will never be defined for you. Mm -hmm. You're constantly defining that space for yourself. And that's Mm -hmm. just a part of being liberated in in your mental construct. So that's something, again, that I would encourage listeners to do is to think about how you enter exit spaces in the way that you're controlling your mm-hmm. your impact and your emotions and how mm-hmm. in, in that space, even if that means you remain silent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, you're still controlling your silence. Mm-hmm. And I think and it's not being controlled for you. So again, that's just I'm a little older now and I've done this for a little bit, but that's kind of been this journey that I didn't have these conversations as a twenty nine year old mm-hmm. principal yeah. with anybody of color who was successful and thinking about how to navigate that. So it was kinda I made up as I went and mm-hmm. the easiest thing for me at the time to do was to be quiet and then just be me at home yeah and that's it wasn't as easy as i thought it was actually yeah. it was quite harmful yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah and it's kind of like this um internal battle around that too that happens where because you feel that i think sometimes in a visceral way like man that like you almost are uh you know being being one way in one space and it's a cognitive dissonance in a way like you can mm-hmm. feel that really pressing up against you so yeah i and even in my workspace now, I should talk. It's a lot of amens. I'm like, hey, I hear that. It's like, yeah, you talking. Yeah, this is good. You're talking my language right now. Um, so, yeah. And then the other thing you mentioned, too, just to go back, because I think the interpersonal conversation we're having now is stems or rubs right up against and kind of intersects with which is something you mentioned earlier, which is when you came in and worked in the once, I think it was a school or a mm-hmm. system, mm-hmm. you said we addressed the structures mm-hmm. first that affected the people, right. not just the people, not to go at the people, right? Because it's these systems that create the environment where people have to excel, succeed, or expect it to, right? right? And so I know that's important, like those structures. Can you speak to how kind of how you actually did that and what that actually looks like? So I so first, I think at any time you're going into a, a setting that's familiar or unfamiliar, mm-hmm. you have to really uh, think about like how did how did this space come to be, right? So um, some would say you have to ask the question, what happened as opposed to what's wrong? You know, if you say what's wrong, you focus on those who are in the now, mm-hmm. and you start to blame people for that structure. You can mm-hmm. say in education, it could be the kids or the families or bad teachers or bad administrators. But if you start with ha- what with the question what happened, mm-hmm. it forces you to start to think about, like, like why are there no kids in the AP advanced placement mm-hmm. courses. Mm-hmm. Why, when I walk into the in-school suspension room, it's all black females. Like, you know, mm-hmm. fill in, fill in that, the, the, the blanks, whatever that is. And then you start asking specific questions around that. And the deeper you get, you start to figure out that some of those systems and, and, and results of those systems were intentional. Right. So you mm-hmm. have to go back and then you have to address the intent mm-hmm. of that structure. Mm-hmm. The other thing too is when you're changing systems like that, you have to understand that there are those who benefited from that structure mm-hmm. that still may be in authoritative mm-hmm. um, uh, um, positions. Right. So how do you then communicate the disconnect bet- between where people want to be and where they currently are when there might be people who created that without even knowing that their good intentions or their well-thought-out plans 10 years ago would have this impact. Right. Just like you think about, you know, mass incarceration. Mm-hmm. There were black and white and all type of folks saying, yep, we got a lot more people up. 
not realizing that the impact of that was going to be mm-hmm. right. the, the destruction of, of, of families within the community right. over minor offenses. Right. So, so again, it, it's, it's important to go back and look and to study the, the environment before you build and move forward. And I think that we can then have a strong voice in that as too, talking about how we experience it, being mm. careful not to, not to um, represent all black voices. Mm-hmm. Like so, I even today I said this is my lived experience. Absolutely, I'm not going to talk about and imply what happened to me with every other black person in the country because mm-hmm. we're all individuals. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, being authentic is is accepting and promoting your individuality as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think that that becomes critically important in space. So I would say for for structures. I always go back and ask those questions. I um, I want to hear from the people first. So mm-hmm. similar to an interview, you kind of walk in and say, you know, you ask people, what is your desire state for this this setting mm-hmm. to be? What would you, if an ideal space would it look like? Mm-hmm. Then what's impeding that from happening? Mm-hmm. Um, what would be my role in helping to resolve that? And then mm-hmm. the last question is, what is your role in commitment? Mm-hmm. Right. And to into supporting that move and to keep it and make it sustainable. Because yeah. at the end of the day. A individual leader, a single heroic figure, can never change a system. Mm-hmm. It has to be um, established through this like interpersonal accountability right. construct, where everyone owns the success and the failure equally. But that can only happen if we're all anchored into the same moral purpose right. of that as a, of that place or the same, um, uh, you know, mission and vision mm-hmm. process. We have to be anchored in something that we can go back to, so it does become a conflict personally. Right. Mm-hmm. It has to be a conflict about the systems and structures that we're setting up to get X results. And, and in that conversation, at the core, must be inclusivity. Right. Right. And not meaning you come into my space and be included. That's centering, <laughs> right. you know, whatever dominant culture is in that space yeah, or perceived yeah, yeah. dominant culture in that space. I'm saying inclusivity, meaning that everyone comes to the table with their own authentic selves, and then the environment is created around that, right. which means mm-hmm. the environment has to constantly evolve. Because mm-hmm. as people enter and exit, the culture and climate should also change. Yeah. Absolutely. So... So I, I think that's just something we have to be conscious about. And I think that's the whole evolution of life. And I think that's, you know, um, people should never feel guilty about where they are. I, th- I have no guilt in how I led as a, as, as a young leader mm-hmm. um, because that's where I was on that part of my journey. I shouldn't mm-hmm. feel guilty about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a responsibility to share that, you know, and someone can take that and apply it or not. It might not be applicable to them. But I can tell you, for the most part, if you are – black and intelligent and you're leading and you're in spaces where you're not feeling comfortable a lot of these things are applicable and and mm-hmm. i would say you truly start with self mm-hmm. yeah but i haven't heard from you yet <laughs> let me let me interview you <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i swear listen do you have me like where were you a couple of years ago <laughs> like when i started out working in schools and the mm-hmm. level of muting mm-hmm. i did and it wasn't even intentional quietness to sit back and observe it was like feeling shut down for whatever I had to say you know and like Mm -hmm. everything y'all were saying with um the majority may look like me because Mm -hmm. of the population we serve or the parents or whoever but who has control or who has the power Mm -hmm. does not and the lack of understanding in what I am stating or why this is important or why I'm advocating for it when that is repeatedly shut down Mm -hmm. there comes a point when you just Mm -hmm. stop trying Mm -hmm. right and then you said with that support, like during the COVID shutdown, you had all these different meetings and you met yeah. these people and that level of support to see us and pushing us. And I'm like, when you're by yourself in that, you know, mm-hmm. and you don't have mm-hmm. that support and you don't know where to turn or how to turn. And you think, well, if I just do my small part, maybe that'll make a difference. But at the same time, you feel so defeated. Yeah. You know, every day you go home, it's like, 
did I even do anything today? Could right. I could I do more? And mm-hmm. then maybe being forced into doing things that don't match. Or especially in this month, you know how that goes. Different corporations will be like, "Where are our black people? Diversity, mm-hmm. Black History Month. Mm-hmm. It's your turn. Mm-hmm. It's your time to shine." It's right. like, <laughs> this is the only time you see me. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is the and only will thing you play it? You know, <laughs> will you play the month? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, all of a sudden yeah. I have all this authority yeah, just for yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. other parts. Of, there's so many like yeah, yeah. I think levels mm-hmm. to it, and the hardest thing I found is shifting the curriculum. Because that is also part of the system where right. if you can't influence that, how can you push these beautiful brown babies to see their right. authentic selves or even understand what that looks like? Mm-hmm. And then if you aren't allowed to do it yourself, are you even able to show right. or promote or model like you stated? So, I mean, I'm so over here just going through it. <laughs> so, so, so I'm, I'm interviewing you. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you have, I think, it, what I think it's beautiful. You know, you talked about your mental health background mm-hmm. and how you're supporting this community. What advice would you give people now that you wish you would have given yourself when you were in that muted state? Oh, mm. that's, that's a good a question. Great question. Mm-hmm. Oh Lord, um, have the difficult conversation. I went through a lot of things, and I was about to cry at some point. So I'm glad no one called on me early. <laughs> 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 Lord knows. It was it was hard reliving yeah. some yeah, situations yeah. and recognizing the lack of understanding like they don't know sometimes that they're subtly doing or saying things Mm -hmm. that is like coming to the core of who you are and my original identity is always going to be black so Mm -hmm. i would push or tell or encourage others to have the difficult conversation early Mm -hmm. like it doesn't need to be aggressive or rude because we already know how Mm -hmm. we can be seen just by, you know, our voice going a little louder or we're stating words in a non-professional way. Mm-hmm. But I think it's best to be as clear as possible that what was said or what was done didn't sit well with you. Mm-hmm. Regardless of how that person receives it or how if they believe you or not, the fact is you state it and you keep stating it right. because you can't ignore that for very long. Right. Mm-hmm. And I did not do that early enough. Mm-hmm. When I did, though, I did see changes, which I appreciate, but mm-hmm. those first couple of years was rough. And I would just add to that. I would also add, like, don't defend mm-hmm. how it made you feel, right? This is how it made me feel. So I'm not going to debate you if I should not have felt that right. way. Right. But also be open to the response, mm-hmm. you know? So, and, and, and I think anyone who is authentically trying to, to help you be authentic in that space or, or allow you to be, whatever, not allow is kind of, again, position someone else to get permission to. But you know what I'm saying? I think, mm-hmm. I think sometimes because of our own experiences, we might interpret something in a way it wasn't intended. Right. So I can still tell you it, it made me feel a certain way. And now that you know, I expect you to change that. Mm-hmm. But when they say, well, I didn't know. Tell, well, tell me why, how that did, how could you have not known that? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a very helpful conversation mm-hmm. for the person mm-hmm. and for you. Mm-hmm. Say, wow, like there. So one of the things I've noticed you know, over the last few years is that, especially after the last election uh, and, you know, the, 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 the brazen, you know, ness of, of individuals who just said the most dumb things about about race and, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and racial perspectives is that there are a lot of white folks who I hung out with who honestly, all good intentions, good people around my kids who had no idea the extent to which some of these things were impacted. I mm-hmm. watched someone today on, on Facebook, you know, because the Last night, um, you know, the release of the tape of Memphis was, mm-hmm. was out. I refused to watch it. I'm not watching it, mm-hmm. right? No. Um, but I watched people on Facebook today on these chats with people who are woke. What are you guys talking about? 
why is everyone so upset today? Mm. Having no idea what right. happened. It's not even, it doesn't come from their social feed. Right. It's right. not talked about in their closed communities. Right. Like it's, it's a, to us, yeah. it is like a, a historic moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to them, it is on the same news thread, perhaps missed right. as Nancy Pelosi's husband being attacked by a hammer. Yeah. Right. Like it's like, it's right. like there, it doesn't right. elevate right. to any emotional place where mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's something else happened in the world. Right. Yeah. And so, I have to say to them, well, wow, like that, like if if it's not something that that is brought to their attention, yeah, how could I expect them to know mm-hmm. the repeated nature of mm-hmm. these issues and how it makes me feel? Right. right. So there's like that, there's that gentle balance. Mm-hmm. I'm not giving them an excuse, right? But I'm also saying there might be a reason that gets back to the root cause we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Their journey mm-hmm. may have never right. been forced to deal with these issues. They may yeah. have never been to think about how people of color in their spaces may or may not feel authentic mm-hmm. and, and accepted in that space. Yeah. Their their journey, they may have never worked with anyone of color before. Right. Right. So how to engage in ways that are just normal mm-hmm. to yeah. them. So they gotta do something exceptional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so so I, I think about that too. Everyone's yeah. on a journey and everyone has a has something that has triggered their ability to open up spaces. It even open up their own hearts, and we have to honor that. Right. We don't have to excuse it either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's something with that, so that 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 actually, so that kind of goes back to something I was saying earlier, especially in the education space. So I'm, when I make this statement, I'm flashing back to when I was working in higher education. <laughs> all right, all right. So, um, so that right there, like the 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 fact that you would have to explain or have to justify, or feel like you have to, mm-hmm. or have to help educate on why this is important to me. It's hard for me. I remember we were in, because um, I'm working in healthcare, and the Buffalo, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. Um, hate crime, mm-hmm. right, happened. And I'm like, hey, we need to, like, we need to make a statement, right? Mm-hmm. right? And it was, like, urgent to me. Like, we need mm-hmm. to say something. Not just the fact that we need to make a statement, but for me, it was I want to say something to the people who are here to say I I see you mm-hmm. and I am mourning with you as well mm-hmm. for the folks who are working there who I know feel that. But the fact of having to explain why that's so important, yeah. like, that is difficult to in itself. Difficult in itself. And that's kind of, like, the silent social penalty I mentioned before is like, all right, if I have to explain that mm-hmm. and kind of get aside, and not that folks did that, folks heard me, but if I have to do it and it's mm-hmm. not just understood, mm-hmm. that's kind of like a silent, all right, in this space, what is the safety like if I have to be able to say that? And right. then if I flash back to higher education when situations like that would happen, especially I'm thinking about um, for some folks, it was a racial reckoning around George Floyd and all of those things. Right. When I think you, if you're one of the few black leaders in that space and you're in a sense you feel responsibility Mm -hmm. for the folks who are like the black students Mm -hmm. who are there Mm -hmm. um there's a weight around not just how do i think about my own safety and feeling but how am i bringing the longer helping folks there actually feel seen and valued and heard and i think that weighs on a lot of i think professionals who are educators or administrators Mm -hmm. whatever it might be Mm -hmm. in places that are at least, I think demographically, predominantly white, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so uh, funny. I told someone once. I said uh, it was another. I think it might have been around the George Floyd um, uh, incident. I, I said to someone, a white friend of mine, said, um, "Man, I feel so bad for you, man. This stuff just keeps happening." And I said to him, "I said, please don't 
tell me you feel bad for me ever again. Mm. I said, tell me you feel bad when it feels and hurts as much as it hurts mm. me that it hurts you. Right. Mm-hmm. I said, that's when I know you get it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and again, love the brother, right? And I knew what he was saying. Right. And I, but with him, I could be, I could be, di- I can yeah. express it differently in yeah. ways. Be, I said, because, because it makes me think about our friendship mm-hmm. when it's always I feel bad for you, but mm-hmm. now I'm going to leave that emotion there. I'm going to go back and watch right. mm-hmm. the football right. game. I'm going to go back and I'm going to exactly. right. So I, I think I think the the hard part about being in these spaces at times is that we make assumptions that people don't feel it the same way, mm-hmm. and how could they not feel it? How mm-hmm. could this not be triggering for them? How could mm-hmm. they concentrate today? Don't ask me no question at nine o'clock in the morning when the tape was released at eight a.m. Right. right, right. So, so we walk in there with like armed, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And as I said earlier, the more you focus on that, right, the less you are effective, right, right. in terms of what you're paid to do, right. And so there's that balance, right. right. And, and so you have to figure out what what that is, what that and what that means for you. But as a young and gifted um, professional and trying to figure it out. I think you have to give your, yourself space for that. Yeah. Mm. To say, why am I feeling like I have to carry this burden in this space? Is it because the space isn't carrying it for me? Right. Or is this a space for me to carry it into? Mm. Mm. It, you know, so you have to really think about that. And you can't, you can't, you can't be liberated if you're constantly carrying baggage. So I didn't watch the video. I'm not going to watch the video. Right. I told yeah. my son he bet not watch the video. Yeah. I said, because you have to ask yourself before you watch it, why am I watching right. it? Right. And how is it going to make me better as a result of watching it? Right. Some are watching it for entertainment yeah. mm-hmm. purposes, to be honest, right? They can, they can repost it and get likes. Yeah. Some people are watching it to fuel anger they already have inside of them. Mm-hmm. It just affirms their hatred, and it's yeah. just going to fuel them to do and respond in different ways. Some are watching it as a learning experience. Yeah. Right? But you have to ask yourself, like, why am I entering these spaces and these conversations and what do I hope to get out of it? Absolutely. Right. And then how do I process it, you know, in a constructive way after Absolutely. that? The reason why I, I know we're talking about the workplace, but the reason why I'm mentioning that is if you don't do that and you watch that video on Saturday mm-hmm. and you don't process it Sunday, and someone says something ignorant on Monday. Mm. Oh, yeah, you're turned up. You're going to tick, and it's yeah. going to be you looking like, yeah. what's why wrong is, with brother? Oh, what what happened to him over the weekend? Yeah. What's wrong with you? Are you yeah. okay? Mm. You know? You know? <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's right. Right. Yeah. And, and they honestly, because their weekend was not filled with that anger. It, but, and then sometimes, right. even if you try to process it, it's not that it's gone. Right. It's still right. kind of there. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so you may walk yeah. into the workplace yeah. trying to yeah. be normal and trying to stay like positive, yeah. but it's still there. And yeah. unfortunately, because these things keep happening, sometimes it's like you're holding a, a purse or yeah. a book bag. Like there's just this extra weight that's not necessary. And it's, it's a way of if someone does say something, checking mm-hmm. yourself in that moment and recognizing, is it them or is it me right now? What that's am I feeling? You, Where is this coming from? That's when you tune into your podcast on the way to work. <laughs> <laughs> you listen and say, all right, they go, I'm going to arm myself today, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you are arming You're people right. on their way into work so they yeah. can think about, all right, how did, what they, what they say about that? Right. <laughs> I love that. Sometimes people aren't even saying anything right. ignorant as much as they're trying to be, you know, yeah. kind or sweet or be like, I know this was probably a rough weekend. And even that could just feel annoying because right. it's like, yeah. come on now. Let right. me rock. It, yeah. Right. No, I, um, so there's a couple of things I definitely want to go back to, <laughs> like, that we want to circle back to. That's not necessarily about this topic, but it's so good, though. <laughs> I think the the idea of, it was, you saw the circle? Yeah. We're going to have to circle on back, y'all. You know how we got to talk with my hands. But the, um, 
you, you had mentioned, uh, and this is me putting this in the notes to come back to the parking lot, as they say. Uh-huh. But um, you had mentioned, like, the, the pressure early on, like being young in your career, yeah. the pressure to almost have to be, to not mess up mm-hmm. because you got to a, a certain height. Right. And so I'll, I, I'll tell you, I was just having a conversation with one of my friends back home. And we grew up, like, it was like four of us. Mm-hmm. Um, we all grew up from high school. We still connect. We talk once a month through like this power conversation, but we always in a group chat. And he was talking about, um, we were talking about success. And he was asking me about where I am now and the process and like what's the mindset. We was having a real good conversation. And I said, honestly, like the pressure of getting to a certain height is different than the pressure of being afraid of falling. Mm. Like that almost is more pressure mm-hmm. than I've ever, especially as a black man, where you feel like there's like a, I guess a legacy you're carrying. Yeah. There's a certain weight of people looking at you of, you know, is this person going to mess up? Right. And you walk into a room and you almost, it's, in, it's internal, yeah. but you feel like I'm representing, a, especially in my role as a chief diversity yeah. officer, yeah. and like what that actually means, right? right? And I've actually started to unpack, like, what is that role and what is that doing to people? Right. To the people in it, right? Um, so that, what you mentioned, like yeah. the the height for like that fear I think it's greater than the fear of not making it to a certain level. Mm-hmm. So that's something for sure. I'm like, oh, we're going to have to bring, that might be a whole nother episode. Yeah, but, but, and I would say, and part of that is, that's what I said earlier. I said, however you define success. Right. And I was very careful about that mm-hmm. and because I think some people define success as the position. Right. Oh, I got the title. Right. Right. Some right. people define it by salary. Yeah. Right. You know, until you work with somebody who makes twice the amount. Yeah. You're like, yo, I thought I was getting paid. You're like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I love what Shaq said. I'm rich, but I'm not wealthy. Right. And the owner of the team is wealthy. Right. Right. So um, some people define it by the type of influence or power it might give yeah. you right. in certain spaces. Um, so you have to really define what that is for you. And I mm-hmm. think it changes. With age, I think it changes with, uh, it's influenced by, if you grew up in poverty. Yeah. You grew yes. up in poverty, 50,000 is a lot. Yeah. yeah right. You grew up in middle school, fa- in middle school family, 50,000 yeah. is not. It's right. a, yeah. You know, right. so it, it really depends on how you frame that. So um, so people have to first define what success is for them. And it's going to yeah. look different for everyone. And, Absolutely. And, and it sounds like, I think the most successful leaders define success by impact. And that's mm-hmm. what you were getting at. Yeah. So how, do, how am I going to leverage this position I'm in? to impact an entire, mm-hmm. you know, uh, organization, an entire right. part, culture, whatever that is. Right. Um, in leadership, you have to define that. And I would much rather have, we get this debate with some of my frat brothers. I'm like, you know, I'd much rather have influence than power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're like, well, you get power, you get influence. I said, you can have power and actually have no influence. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think, you know, you can have that debate internally. That's, that's another conversation to have. But I, I would I would take influence any day Mm -hmm. because I know that whatever impact, hopefully positive impact that comes from that last could last generations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, if, if power is defined by position and someone could argue that it's not, then the minute that you get fired, then Mm -hmm. you have to question, are you now powerless? Right. Mm-hmm. And I would say, if you are, then you didn't do the real internal work. Right. Because right. a, a position is going to never make me feel powerless. Right. right. So, so I, I think those are also discussions, you know, for, for young, for young professionals is to really, really, really think about what drives you. Mm-hmm. Money is good. Right. So I'm not saying don't make that. Right. I'm saying, but that's as part of the journey. Right. right. You know, I would say having the title and, and, and getting the executive suite that if, if you just want to have a corner office, you know, go for it, <laughs> right? Do go you. for it, right? But but I guarantee you, mm-hmm. there's a lot of quarters. There's four corners in that building. Yeah. So you know, yeah. if, if I, I'm just I just think that there are opportunities for people to to redefine and take the time to redefine again their presence mm-hmm. in spaces, mm-hmm. what drives them, because mm-hmm. 
if you if you're gonna be driven by money and you're gonna constantly grind, you're not gonna enjoy life. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, ideally you'll be able to grind, have influence, and get paid for mm-hmm. and get and, and mm-hmm. have your have you get paid the value mm-hmm. of who you are. And yeah. I think that would be ideal. But you have to have some type of journey and roadmap um, set out for you. I just did this with my daughter. She's probably gonna get mad at me for doing this if she, when she listens. <laughs> hey, shout out! But but we uh, we sat down and I said to her like doing her budget. Talk about you know the next phase of her life. Mm-hmm. I said, how much do you have budgeted for your social life? She goes, what do you mean? I said, you can't be twenty five and just grinding. You yeah. have to have a budget per month for you to go do something social. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's to go to a play, if it's to go with your girlfriends to dinner. Like, what is your mm-hmm. what is your investment in you each mm-hmm. month mm-hmm. that makes working worth it? Mm-hmm. And she was like, Dad, you're right, because I just be grinding. I'm like, you, you're not going to enjoy life that much. Right. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so, like, so, like, so like you're talking to me, but go ahead. I was trying not to look at you, because I know you know that's me. I know you're about to talk. Hey, you heard him like, say it. I'm like, did you make that vacation? Hey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, that's funny. Yeah, she, yeah, that's, yeah that's dope. She's 25, and she's grinding, and I love her grind, but I'm like, you need to. Mm-hmm. You have to enjoy. There's got to be a balance mm-hmm. right. in your life, too, or you're mm-hmm. not going to show up in those other spaces um, healthy. Yeah, and that's dope. Yeah. It's not like you can speak to that in a visceral way. Like, you, like I've done that mm-hmm. or, you know, looked at that, and so, yeah. Yeah, that's why kids call me cheap. Mm-hmm. They're like that. You ain't spent no money growing up. I said, yeah. yeah. I said, I, I was poor. Y'all gonna be poor too. Yeah. And then they're like, you're not poor no more. I, I googled you, Dad. I googled your salary. <laughs> but but I lived at the nine right, 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 right. <laughs> so, so what was really what was really happening is that I was projecting them like not to enjoy life, mm-hmm. and that you that you work to like create generational wealth. Yeah. Right? But generational wealth is not just a monetary thing. Mm. Again, twenties, thirties, generational wealth meant. They're going to have college paid for. They're going to mm-hmm. be set. When I die, they're going to get my yeah. stuff. Everything was like, when I'm gone, mm-hmm. they're yeah. going to enjoy all this. That was right. like my mission. That was right. like my focus. Like, yeah. they're going to be set up when I'm gone. That's, you know, when you don't when you don't come for much, that becomes mm-hmm. your priority. Right. Absolutely. As you get older, you're like, generational wealth is also mental health. Mm-hmm. It's also experiential. Mm-hmm. Tra- taking them on trips, stamping, the, you know, the passports. Like, And so how I define generational wealth now is different than it was 10 years ago, mm-hmm. but I couldn't even envision what it was going to mm-hmm. look like mm-hmm. in my 40s because mm-hmm. I never seen that much money. I never seen that much right. access. I didn't ever see yeah. any of that. Yeah. We don't talk about money at all in the black community. We right. should we do that. Yeah. And so now it's different because I'm able to show them the benefits of grinding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. If, yeah. if I'm grinding all the time and my kids never see the benefits of it, then it devoids all the hard work. And that's what was happening. Now they see when dad's we're on vacation and dad dips off to go do some emails or a Zoom, it's because it's adding to this experience for y'all. Right. Right. Or when dad dips off to go do a consulting gig and I know it's supposed to be Saturday, but it's early in the morning. Mm-hmm. That benefits you later on when you're asking me for some new sneakers that just mm-hmm. dropped. Right. So, mm-hmm. Right. So, right. So, right. And making those real connections. Mm-hmm. But but again, that's teaching my kids the authentic nature of of your own professional and personal growth right. by doing that. And so they, they respect it when I was cheap dad. Mm-hmm. They respect even more the value of now they can do things because I've been able to invest in them because I've saved enough to do that. And I hope they'll invest in, in realizing later on that when I'm no longer here, that it's their responsibility to do that for their kids, right? So teach them the importance of money, teach them the importance of mental health and, and balance, but also leave something for the next generation to build off mm-hmm. of so they're better. That's also a lesson for young black professionals in these spaces is how are you positioning yourself 
so that you can have this balance mm-hmm. yeah. um, professionally and personally. Mm-hmm. You got you got to you got to get out there. Yeah. You got to go travel. You got to mm-hmm. do your conferences. You know you have to do all that um, because then you can open up those spaces. So when someone else comes along after you and they ask you about you know I just got this job doc and and you can say to them make sure you go invest this mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Right, that helps them be authentic in that space too. Mm-hmm. Right, because they're watching their colleagues traveling all the time. They're figuring out I make more than. Listen, my secretary was traveling more than I was mm-hmm. when I was a principal. Mm. Right. Like, how do I make three times your salary and you got a house on a lake, a <laughs> cottage, and you <laughs> traveling right. all the time? I'm yeah. like, Yo, this game is kind of messed up. Right, right. Mm-hmm. right. but it's because it was passed down to her. So part of putting, and we probably bird walking here, but pro- part of putting black folks in these spaces at ease is giving them the ability to have this mental health balance, mm-hmm. yeah. this professional balance, yeah. and, this, and this personal one all yeah. at the same time. Like showing them how, and demonstrating and modeling how to do that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And 100%. we don't always do that when you're the first one. Right. Yeah. Ooh, now right. that's, that, that, that again, that's another part, the first one, because that's it. You're clearly learning as you go. Yeah. And yeah. failing and tripping and falling and picking yourself back up and yeah. trying again. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you so back to the to the education piece about that though? Because I think this is all good because this yeah. is education. That's right. I'm educated. learning a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We're learning. <laughs> yeah, hey, man, this is like this is a pie. This is the gems podcast. <laughs> right. So, um, in the educational settings, and I I didn't get a chance to ask this yet, but I want to say, do you feel like the education? And you kind of answered this already, but is the educational system the structures the way it is now traditionally, right? In our spaces. Um, is that as people would define it? Because we talked about what a white mm-hmm. space is, mm-hmm. but would you like would you define that as a white structure, system, or space? Uh man, you know, I, again, I, I'm struggling with centering that because uh, yes. because so so I would well, talk say, about that because that's important. Like yeah, you know. so I would say if it is, it's because we've allowed it to. Mm. So when you have a school district, we're talking about Rochester, for example, right? When you have a school district, uh, Rochester City, because there's a lot of schools in Monroe County, when you have 90% of the kids are black and brown, whatever that percentage is, is somewhere near that number, um, then if we allow it to be that way, it's because the 90% allowed it to be that way. Mm. So how do we um, how do we collaborate, coalesce in ways that, that we elect board members, in this case, that's how the structure are, is here, to make sure that that space is not mm-hmm. anti them mm-hmm. or not opposite them. Mm-hmm. And so I would say anything that is that is characterized as a white space or whatever dominant culture exists in that particular environment, it's only that way if you allow it to be. Right. And it may not mean physically changing who's in front of you. Right. But it means it will mean structurally changing how those people engage with you who are in front of you. Mm. So if we want to have anti-racist curriculum in mm-hmm. this district and every teacher has to teach it, mm-hmm. then you can ensure that that's going to happen because that's going to be mandated as part of your curricular framework. You mentioned curriculum earlier, mm-hmm. so I'll use that as an example. If you don't mandate that and you don't have the structures to create it and to implement it, then now you leave up, leave up to people to decide if they want to do it or not. Mm-hmm. There's no expectation. So I would say that the education space in, in Rochester in particular, particularly how it was at East when the graduation rate was 29%, most definitely de-centered our black and brown gotcha. and multicultural youth. Yeah. And, and, and so we had to work hard to center them. Mm-hmm. You know, we even having the mural of Malcolm X, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and on, on the school and having a project with Sean Dunwoody that, 
shows black and brown leaders, international, nationally, and local, mm-hmm. so they can see themselves in our school was critically important. And then changing what they learn and how they learn it, not mm-hmm. as like these ancillary, go take a women's study course, go take, I mean, no, it's got to be in the core where every kid gets, mm-hmm. not just as an elective. Mm-hmm. So I would say that the school system or school systems will only be what the community allows them to be. Yeah. And so, uh, and to the extent that we allow that to happen, then yes, it will be an environment that that decenters our black and brown youth. Yeah. And then by default, it, centr- it, it centers another perspective. In this case, um, it could be a, a white perspective. Right. But I, I just I like to flip the conversation. Yeah. Because if if we if we play defense on white center spaces, we'll never, we'll never, we'll never get, in, we'll, we'll never mm-hmm. address the real problem. Mm-hmm. We have to be, we have to constantly ask ourselves, what happened that from the time I was taught by those first generation folks from the, from the civil rights movement, what happened from that type of education yeah. to where we are now yeah. when those individuals became silenced and marginalized? Yeah. And how do we revisit that type of environment moving forward? It shouldn't, it shouldn't take a national civil rights movement to do that. Mm-hmm. I think we are educated enough about our history to say if we don't do this, this is the this is the tr- this is the uh, the path we're going to go down. So yeah, you know. So again, so as we center us, as we center yes. others in that community, whatever that community that community is made up of, the the key question is why do we allow ourselves to be silenced and marginalized and sometimes erased? Yeah, without like a visceral reaction and response yeah. and, a, and a coordinated approach to yeah. change that. Yeah, that's good. So that makes a lot of sense, and I appreciate the way the way you're framing the conversation around not centering. In this case, just for me, because this is it's important in my mind, but not centering whiteness, mm-hmm. right? Um, how do we center the conversation around us, right, and what that is? And if we've allowed it, and I appreciate the way you say that, because that's power in that statement. If we've allowed it, how do we not go forward mm-hmm. and do that? So I appreciate that definition. And then the other question I had from what you were saying earlier, you talked about the importance of education around, like the some of the things that go along with schooling, education, but also like a holistic approach to that. Like yeah. what are sort of mental health and yeah. financial and all of the things that go along with being a whole person. Wellness. Yeah. The, the wellness. How do we, um, do you think that's happening from your experience of what you're saying? Those broader topics are being touched on in spaces like school. Uh, I, would, I would say no. I don't think nearly well enough. I mean, there are companies that are popping up with financial literacy and STEM. And I mean, so there are efforts to do that, right? And there are people who are doing it in some school systems better than others. Right. Um, there's a lot of work for us to do. do some things well and other things we, c- we can do better. But I also think, so I think about education more broadly, like yourself, higher ed, you know, then you have like real life <laughs> education. Right, right, right. So I think, I think our kids... Even if the kids got it in eighth grade, you took a financial mm-hmm. literacy course in eighth grade. Let's say a kid took this amazing course, right? The best course you can imagine. But those ideas and principles aren't reinforced between 9 through 12 mm-hmm. at home, in the community, and mm-hmm. also in school. Mm-hmm. They become this, like, moment-in-time experience. So, uh, again, so educating the community and the adults in the community to be prepared to have those conversations is equally important. Mm-hmm. So I'll talk about financial literacy for, 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 for a moment. So... My partner and I, like, she she has a whole different lived experience. She's a New Yorker from Queens, you know. She's a woman. <laughs> 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 not, yeah. not Brooklyn, though. Yeah. 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 She's still amazing. Yeah, she's still amazing, she's right? She's a queen. Yeah, she's a queen. She's a queen, right? right. But I remember when her and I first started, like, like dating, and we would talk about, she talked about her travels and, you know, and 
and she would talk about, you know, just different different things in life that I hadn't experienced that I perhaps should have, yeah. you know. And so we talked about, you know, let's talk about how we're going to build together financially. And I said to her, like, I have money, but I'm a novice at how to, like, how to, like, make it grow and how to use yeah. it and be smart about it. I said, I just, I just haven't really had those conversations, right? Credit grade, I have a 403B, I have yeah. savings, but... I mean, it just, it really wasn't something that we talked about. I didn't have anyone to really feel safe to talk about. And my parents weren't wealthy. And so I'm not going to come to them with numbers that I know they've never seen and make them feel bad. Right. At least I felt that way. Yeah. Right. So we were talking and she's like, yo, let's just start with like our credit card help. Both have great credit. Um, I got an Amex car. She has an Amex car. We travel. I have a Delta on mine. Hers is a normal one. And we just like messed around for a year on travel and points and this and that. And our statuses kept growing as we did it. And we made some very conscious decisions of what we were going to do. And it was so amazing that I started telling all my friends, like, mm. yo, like, if you want to maximize your credit, this is what you do. Yeah. I became, like, the student the to the teacher, like, overnight, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. And to a point where we, like, we recorded, I'll send it to y'all, we recorded for our friends with yeah. them on a Zoom mm -hmm. how to maximize their credit in ways that, you know, some knew about it. But a lot of adults who we were talking to had no idea how to do that. These mm. are, like, people in like top positions in the community mm -hmm. or top positions in their company who were for the first time having these conversations. And it really made me think about mm -hmm. even when we are successful, however you define that, there's so much we don't know. Yeah. And when you don't have a person of color to speak to about it, you're sometimes embarrassed to mention it. So right. going back to my secretary, yes, she had a cottage, right, on a lake. Yeah. It was passed down for three generations, I found out later. Yeah. She splits it with six of her, like, family members. So mm. she gets a weekend, mm. yeah. right? So here I am, my initial response is like, man, I can't even afford that. Like, I'm feeling bad and embarrassed I'm not giving my kids that experience. Yeah. And then I later find out, six of y'all, you get one week, and this is how much you pay per year? I yeah. can do that with my siblings. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so it just, it, it evolved over time. So I, I say that to say, so education happens in the classroom, Yes but it has to happen in our community as well. Mm -hmm. So there's a bridge between what the kids are learning and what they can express and talk about to adults in their life yeah. so that it becomes a family yeah. a family conversation. Yeah. Maybe not family with your nuclear family. It could be play cousins, whatever. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but you have people, the four guys you, you come up with, right? Yeah. How often do you think about, do you talk about finances mm -hmm. and being real about that? Mm -hmm. Talk about debt and good debt. Talk, I mean, so, so when I hear education, and I've been in this place at East for eight years, what I'm realizing is that the more I educate the parents, the better the kids do. Mm. Right? Educate them on like graduation outcomes, FAFSA forms, what right. happens next, how much a kid can make if they enter this field. Like mm -hmm. the better parents are to, to better um, informed parents are to be able to ask more thoughtful questions, the better kids do. Right. Yeah. So yes, it ha I think it's an and conversation. We have to do better in schools across the country. What we have to do just as much in the community with mm -hmm. making sure that we're having safe spaces to have these conversations. Yeah. My, my sister, so she calls me, so she gets, the, she gets the video and she watches it. And I'm like, that's dope. My sister watched it. Right. And she was like, Hey, I have like X amount of dollars in this, in this, this um, savings account. And I said, well, is it like a high yield money market or is it just a savings account? And she's got like money in there. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you're making like 0.3% on that money. Like you zero zero point three. I mm -hmm. said, do you understand? how you can like how much money you've lost over the last like five years. She's like, what are you talking about? So I said, go to your bank, show them your, your money. And you talk to the manager and say, you know, first of all, you show, you show your displeasure. 
that you have you've had this running balance for five years in this bank and not one teller has told you to move it into a, a mm-hmm. high yield money market mm-hmm. especially if you can put it over there you know you're not going to touch it for a year mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I said I said so you go on and you you let you go on there and say that they did a bad job informing you mm-hmm. and you're considering moving your money to another bank mm-hmm. right she got all the services she needed mm-hmm. you know because because they don't do that whereas when I walked to my bank the first time there was this young African-American teller was like She's like, Dr. Nelms, you might want to move some of that money into this other account because this has been your flat, your flat rate, and you can get a higher yield if you move it. No one's ever had that conversation mm-hmm. with me. She just kind of said it one day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, let me see what you're doing, you know? So we moved it and, it, and it has worked. And so I just think it's it's those conversations, too, that become liberated mm-hmm. for those who are trying to figure it out. Absolutely. Right? It, it Absolutely. provides different opportunities, different experiences for you. So I know we started with education mm-hmm. way over here, and we were talking about money all the way over here. But it's all connected, but, though. But right. I think for your audience, I think it's really important for them. Yeah. You know? No, no, yeah. that's good. We, well, we appreciate where that's going, though. Right. Like, that's, that's where it needs to be. <laughs> like, this, this is education all around. What you about to say? No, I was just saying that creates that balance. Mm-hmm. Like, if the schools as well as the community are doing their parts, then, yeah, that the whole child, the whole it's a community approach, education. They get that peace of mind as well. It's, yeah, that makes perfect and sense. And when you mentioned about like the education on the parents, you probably have experienced that yeah. when you were working <laughs> on education, like and like the importance of that. So you probably can add to that too, like the yeah. And he's absolutely right because I've noticed the biggest thing for me was changing my field so that I can be more involved with parents mm-hmm. because if you can help support the family and get the parents on board, the kids will do so much better. Right. Mm-hmm. They thrive in a different way. And a lot of it, I notice, is parents just not understanding. And the schools, un- unfortunately, don't do the best job explaining as well or taking the time, really, to like break it down and expl- express what this means and how this can support your child. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just the the stigmas and the what you think that meant or how it was when you were a kid, all mm-hmm. that gets in the way. And so trying to bring those barriers down is like the biggest thing i i love it yeah <laughs> and i think what i took from that too is like the education the way it actually like what education actually means and the way it works it's like it's it's starting in like, so i mentioned schools and like that's that's a part of it mm-hmm. like there's like this continual all spaces education mm-hmm. that people are getting regardless that all of that should or in the best case scenario is reinforcing itself mm-hmm. right yeah I supposed to experience that, so yeah, that's that's I, good. I, I keep staring at your at your hoodie because it's dope, by the Why, way. Thank you, and, thank you so and, much. But you know, it, it keeps. My, I keep if I have my notes, I, I'm I'm a writer when I when mm-hmm. I you know, I keep saying like you are, you are both promoting the process of being better, mm-hmm. like your branding, you know the 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 purpose of the podcast, and and I'm just I'm first of all I'm I'm grateful for being on the show one, mm-hmm. but two like I am excited about what's to come for our future. Like mm-hmm. I'm noticeably you're older than y'all you know <laughs> i don't feel that much older <laughs> i was called an og at the gym the other day which made me a little nervous but <laughs> i'm like oh gee you're talking about man you know? i mean i get off the bench a little slower i don't know what it was right but that's but, OG. Yeah, I know, I was like, ah, that shit um but but i will say that that honestly like i am encouraged because you all have access to a world of black professionals that I did not have access to. Mm-hmm. It wasn't in my neighborhood because mm-hmm. we grew up in poverty. They mm-hmm. were prof- they were great people, mm-hmm. but I'm talking about at a different income, different yeah. education mm-hmm. level. And that's not shaming them, just saying that wasn't present, right? Mm-hmm. We were coming through a generation where people in my family were for the first time going to college and, and mm-hmm. taking on um, non-service-related professionals, right. professions. And you all have access to all that right now, mm-hmm. if it's digitally or in person. Mm-hmm. And I believe that 
that your generation is actually more bold about asking these questions and, and not embarrassed to ask them. Mm-hmm. So for me, it is very encouraging, but it's also now a great responsibility on you to share that with the generation that you're Absolutely. better connected to. When I speak to a kid now, like I'm like, I know I'm the old dude speaking to him. Like, man, you, how do you know? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and no matter what happened in my youth, they're like, how do you know? I'm, right. I'm too far removed. Right. If y'all say it, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it has a different meaning. Right. It has mm-hmm. a different a different tone. And I acknowledge that. Yeah. So I got, I just think you all, your generation is the perfect bridge between bringing back what the old G's and the old heads mm-hmm. did back in the day yeah. and acknowledging what the young kids are now mm-hmm. and really creating space for both. Mm-hmm. I think there are people who are at the other end of the, the older end of the spectrum that never gave up the power and they kept mm-hmm. it too long and they didn't build the next generation. Right. And so there's a huge disconnect. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a generation of youth who don't think there are people out there who understand them. Yeah. And I believe you, both of you, and the people that your listeners and the, and the folks who are trying to find their authentic selves um, can play and must play a critical role yeah. in this work. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I know that's great pressure. <laughs> no, but, <that's laughs> but, but I think that. I, I appreciate yeah. you even holding spaces like this to, to start the conversations and, and to provide a path forward. I really do. Yeah, no, I appreciate you. that. And I, yeah. I ain't gonna lie, that's, I think that's the part where it's time to, that's where we're going to end that. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> no surprises. Look, appreciate that. And pre- honestly, we appreciate you, yeah. uh, you being on, the, yeah. being here and sharing like your knowledge, your experience. And I, and I think we definitely feel like being able, like doing that is a vulnerability in itself. Mm-hmm. So we appreciate it. And just the amount of like wisdom and gems in yes. this podcast, great. Yeah, definitely yeah, appreciate you for sure. Thank you too. All right, well, listen. We grew before their eyes. You know, <laughs> man, we had another level. I'm about to go to the bank right now. What do you say, money market? <laughs> What's going on? But no, um, well, listen, people might be listening right now thinking, <laughs> what in the world are they talking about? Look, we might be right. We might be wrong. But at the end of the day, we, we just, just young, black, black and, and figuring it out. out. Tough. Boy